You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and so very excited to be broadcasting on 6abc.com with a very special guest today, a local lady who's going to be doing some um, incredible things for the city of Philadelphia. Angela Val is the new president and CEO of Visit Philadelphia, which is responsible for marketing the entire city, uh, which is a big job. So, Angela, thank you so much for being with me. Sue, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm really excited, and I appreciate the fact that we kind of did this very last minute. You just actually haven't started your new role yet, but you will be shortly. Um, And I wanted you to give um, our viewers a, a sense of where you came from and and what led you here. So I understand you were born in Maryland. And can you talk about the community there a little bit? Sure. I grew up in uh, Rockville, Maryland, uh, just about a half hour outside of Washington, D.C., suburban area. Grew up in a, you know, middle-class neighborhood. Uh, My family, my uncle was in the uh, tourism industry, which is how I gained my interest uh, in the, the industry. And uh, Drexel University uh, was one of the few colleges at the time that had a bachelor's program for hospitality and tourism. So okay. I came to Philadelphia in 1990, uh, attended Drexel University for tourism and fell in love with the city. And I've been here for the last 31 years. Wow. 31 years. You, you look incredibly young to have been doing something for 31 years. Well, thank you, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, tell me about mom and dad, your parents. Um, I know that, you know, from, from my research, um, something that you grew up with that was really a challenge for you was dealing with dyslexia, yeah. which can be really difficult for a kid um, in school. And it sounds to me like mom and dad weren't going to let that hold you back. They were not. Um, I was, I've been blessed with great parents. Uh, my father's a principal um, at an elementary school. My mother was a teacher, both retired now, um, but uh, realized I had dyslexia in around the sixth grade. Um, being able to be diagnosed really helped me learn how to manage uh, my learning disability. Uh, my parents were incredible. They were very supportive. They never lowered their expectations uh, despite my learning disability. Uh, my parents uh, really also expected all of their kids, I have two siblings, to go to college, and they did not change that for me either. Um, they said, you know, I'd have to work a little bit harder, um, but they expected me to do great things in my life. They also did not expect for us to sit around during the summer. Uh, <laughs> so we either had to get a part-time job or take a class. Oh, wow. You know, you mentioned Drexel and my son actually graduated from Drexel as well. And and what's so wonderful about that school is the co-op, which really doesn't allow you to do anything if you're not working right or in the classroom, similar to, yeah. to how you are. You were raised. Um, I think it's a great, great um, way to learn. Tell me about your experience there at Drexel and how you took advantage of the co-op. Yes. You know, one of the reasons I chose Drexel was because of the co-op program and because it was in a city environment that had a lot of businesses um, in the area. Uh, I was never great at school. So being able to go to school and work to see if I had chosen the right major um, was really important to me. And in the hospitality field, people tend to either at the time uh, go the track of culinary restaurants or go the track of more hotel and by doing the co-op program, I realized very quickly that I was more on that track of hotels. I was not good at cooking and I was not good at running the front of the house of any restaurant. <laughs> um, but that was something that I learned during school instead of graduating and then, you know, figuring it out after a two or three years worth of work. So um, yeah. the, the uh, co-op program is extremely beneficial, especially during a time now where work experience is so important to get at an even younger age. Yes. You know, the industry you are in really requires um, one to be social, right? Was that as a young girl, were you outgoing and social? Was it enjoyable for you to engage with people? And did you have the confidence then? I did not. I was really, a, really a shy child. Um, I think one of the things that really intrigued me about hospitality is a hotel. Uh, when you go inside of a hotel, there's just so many different people and you can become anyone you want. Um, there was a show at the time called Hotel with Sherry Villafonte, and she just seemed to live a fabulous life uh, <laughs> in all the restaurants and meeting new people that came from all over the world. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Um, but, you know, I also knew from my parents putting myself in uncomfortable places is how you get over you know, being insecure, not as confident mm -hmm. around uh, other people. And hospitality, it's the happiness business. People are yes. when you're traveling <laughs> and wanting to do something new. So it was a very engaging and welcoming industry to get into. 
Yeah. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm speaking with Angela Val, the brand new president and CEO for Visit Philadelphia. And, um, you know, I, I said at the top of the show, it's a big job. I think specifically in today's world to um, be responsible for the image of a city. Um, as you look to take on the role, can you tell me what, what are you most nervous about? What do you think is going to be the most challenging for you? Sure. You know, I think uh, it's a very critical time for our city and for our industry as we come out of COVID. Uh, we've taken a big step back uh, over the last two and a half years. And, you know, outside of the health crisis, there are other issues uh, such as, you know, safety, security. Uh, there are, you know, a few shops and restaurants that have closed that we're going to need, you know, new business owners to move into. So there is work to be done, um, but I don't think it's just, you know, visit Philadelphia or me. This is something that uh, the community, I think, as a whole, the business community, our neighborhoods, our small business owners will rally around as we try to come back out of COVID and um, make sure that our streets um, are, you know, vibrant um, both day and night as, you know, as we come out of this. Yes. You know, I think... Um the work that you're going to do requires managing a lot of moving parts. You will really be engaging with everybody in our city, Yes, you know, from, excuse me, the hospitality industry to people in politics, to developers, all of that. What do you think it is about you that allows you to do that and not become overwhelmed? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I've been in Philly for a long time. I have a very, uh, wide network, very deep network, but I'm a big we person. Um, I like to collaborate. Um, it's always been one of my strengths and something that I use in my leadership, whether that's internal or working with the external uh, community. I really want over these next few weeks as I start getting into the job to listen to how people are doing um, in the community so that we can build a collaborative plan together uh, that will kind of be the foundation of what we do moving forward for Philadelphia, for visitation, and for us as a city. You know, Angela, one of the things I think is most impressive about you is that you started out as an executive um, assistant years ago, right, with Visit Philadelphia, and you just have continually climbed the ladder, so to speak, worked your way up, and now have you're sitting in the top spot. So when we on this show talk about women in leadership and, you know, what perhaps holds women back, what would you say to a woman listening? Um, I guess that would be advice on how you did that. What was your mindset in continually moving up? You know, I think oftentimes what holds us back um, as women, as people, um, is who we think we're not. And that's not my quote that has come from someone else. And it has taken years for me to be able to even see myself in this type of role since I've played always the number two most of my time in throughout my career. And I would definitely say to listen to that inner voice that says that you can do it and be okay with being uncomfortable because that mm. lets you know you're going in the right direction. Right. So in what I, I think it's very hard to do that in those moments, what is um, 
do you, I always ask this question, do you have a mantra, something you go to in when you're feeling anxious or nervous that allows you to, as Amy Cuddy says, fake it till you make it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You yes. Know, I kind of always say to myself, you know, you've been hit, you've been put here to do something else and that you've got this. And I do my little Wonder Woman pose in the bathroom often. Do you? Hands on the hips. Hands on the hips. (laughs) (laughs) Self in the mirror. Um, And, you know, I also say to myself, you know, like, this is an opportunity um, that a lot of people don't get to have. And that I have the opportunity to step into it. And I shouldn't let my own fears be the thing that holds me back. But yeah, I'm just like everybody else. There are moments of nervousness um, and you want to do a good job and it's a very visible and public position. Um, But most of the time I get so much support and I'm probably my biggest critic. (laughs) Right. And that's often the case, right? I think we forget that the what makes us special or great or successful is that there is no other of us. There is no other Angela Val. So you need to tap into that originality. Yes, absolutely. Tell me if there, um, I think a lot of the times the things that kind of keep us going as well is having someone in our corner who believes in us. And I wonder if there's been somebody throughout your career, other than mom and dad, that has believed in you and, and given you that boost. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, it's my husband. He is my biggest cheerleader. Um, I have oftentimes come to him with a crazy role when I was asked to be the uh, deputy executive director for the Democratic National Convention that was here in Philadelphia in 2016. Um, You know, that is that's a job with a very clear start and end date, another very public job. If I didn't do a good job, I'd probably have to move out of Philadelphia. Um, (laughs) He was he was very supportive. He always wants me to go for it. I'm not big on social media. He posts every single thing that I do. He is the person that says to me, I don't know the person you're talking about because the person I can that I'm married to can definitely do this. And he has been the person that has encouraged me to take every chance and every opportunity that has come my way. Yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned being a public figure. And when you are, you're going to hear from people, yes. right? In, in a big way. So, um, First, I want to ask you, how do you, how do you manage difficult people? Um, what, what is your kind of philosophy for doing that? And um, how do you think you'll manage, you know, hearing feedback? Yep. Probably not being on social media is a good move, but <laughs> inevitably <laughs> everyone has an opinion about what the city should be doing. Everyone has an opinion. Um, right. I'm a person that uh, listens more than she talks. You know, that mm-hmm. comes from, I think, being shy. Um, I'm very comfortable with those moments of silence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also do want to hear from people. I'm also, I certainly also know I don't know everything and I don't have all the answers and that there are some other perspectives out there. And I always come from the philosophy of trying to get to yes. That might but not mm-hmm. be the same road that we are all deciding to go down. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to figure out how to make everyone happy as opposed to telling you why we can't do something. Yeah. That's a, I love that attitude of we let's do it. We can. Yeah. Right. And then if it, if it fails, 
you know, what is our next move as opposed to being stuck without making a decision? That's right. There's always room for everyone to step back and try something else. You know, failure is how you get to success most of the time. By realizing that a few things didn't work. This is why they didn't work. So the next time we're going to do this differently. Yeah. It's where we learn, right? It's where we learn. Yeah. Not, not failing. Excuse me. Um, We're going to go into our first break. Uh, If you're just joining me, I'm Sue Rocco. This is Women to Watch, and I'm speaking to Angela Val, the president and CEO, incoming for Visit Philadelphia. Stay with us for our watch team if you're listening on WPHT, and we will be right back. Now the Women to Watch. Finance Watch. Finance Watch. At Penn Community Bank, we're committed to giving small business owners the tools and resources to help them succeed financially. Small business doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with small risk, especially when it comes to cybersecurity. As a small business owner, you have a full plate and cybersecurity may not be on your radar. It may seem unnecessary for you and your business, but taking initiative in cybersecurity is one of the most important things you can do for the safety and security of your business, your employees, and even your customers. Here are steps you can take right now to protect your business. Back everything up. Never store anything in one place or on a single device. It'd be a treasure chest for the pirates of the web. Whether it's an external hard drive or an online cloud storage, make sure the location is secure or with a reputable organization. You've heard this one before. Use strong passwords for everything. Having a strong password on every device with sensitive information is essentially the very first line of defense from hackers. Your password can never be too strong or change too often. Sending out quarterly reminders to staff to update passwords is a small step you can take to make a big difference. On that note, train your employees. Employees are often the first target for scammers. So ensure your employees maintain best practices and know what's at stake. Sending out phishing test emails can give insight on employees who may need additional training on spotting a scammer or malicious material. Don't be hesitant to buy antivirus software to protect against viruses, malware, or spyware. It could be an invaluable investment for your business. Lastly, make sure third parties you deal with are as safe and secure as you. Any person or business that has access to your system can be considered a threat. Make sure the vendors you work with have the best practices in place to prevent cybercrime, and don't be afraid to inquire or encourage them to do so. Remember, small business can mean big target for cybercriminals. They know that your business may not have the resources to spend on security that a larger corporation would. Data hacking and cybercrimes are becoming more common and advanced in the modern world. So make sure your small business is following best practices to minimize your vulnerability. It only takes one weak link to attack an entire company. So don't let a simple mistake jeopardize everything you worked for. Penn Community Bank, here we are and here we grow. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. You're watching Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm so excited and thrilled to be here on 6abc.com. Just a reminder, you can listen to the show as well, uh, Sunday nights at 7 on WPHT. And if you want to learn more about the show, who's coming up, and how to download the podcast, you can visit us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Um, so Angela, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about when I think of Philadelphia, first of all, I was born and raised here and I love this city. Um, there's a lot of things I love about it. And I wonder if you can just talk for a few minutes about what you think the highlights are, you know, when you're talking to people about the city, what stands out to you 
first and foremost that should bring tourists here? Well, I, I will tell you first, I love cities. It is something about seeing those tiny little yellow lights on the skyline. And I think of every light and every window as a place where there's a life. There's someone in that room eating dinner or watching television or having a party. And it just represents life to me. And Philadelphia, when I got here, was like this little gem of a city between two rivers. And it's walkability and just seeing how the history of the city is still incorporated into the city with, you know, original cobblestone streets in some areas and gas lights that you have out in front of the academy. It was just a place where I felt like I could have that city life, but still have that um, kind of homey feel that I had growing up in Maryland. Yeah. One of the things I'm real excited about is the um, the waterfront. And, you know, I've been saying for years, you know, why have we not built up this beautiful waterfront, which I think every city needs. People want to be down on the water. Tell me what you're thinking uh, or what you might know about that, that you can share with the viewers. I'm really excited about the waterfront too. There was a study done many years ago, and I think um, back in the nineties uh, that Disney uh, said, you know, people have a natural tendency to walk toward water. So us kind of building up the waterfront in a nice continuous area is uh, something that must happen. And the fact that you can get right from the historic area, Old City, onto the waterfront eventually, once we cap that 95 area, is going to be yeah. incredible. Um, the Penn's Landing area uh, right now is going through, as many of you know, uh, a lot of construction. And one of the things that they've uh, just opened up on uh, the waterfront area right there near the Seaport Museum um, is a new restaurant, uh, yeah. the Liberty Restaurant. And it is huge. It's a great addition, great outdoor space, uh, very family friendly uh, for residents and tourists who bring your dog. But what you'll be able to do is walk from that Cherry Street Pier all mm -hmm. the way down to Spruce Street Harbor mm -hmm. Park, having something to do at each, um, each part of the way, which is our goal there for the waterfront. Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm really excited. Um, have you gotten together with your team? I'm sure that you're going to have a you're going to be managing a lot of people, and I'm curious what you plan for the culture of visit Philadelphia and the people that you're working for. I have not met all of the team yet. I have met maybe about ten uh, or eleven people so far um, last week. Uh, there are quite a few people that uh, work at Visit Philadelphia that worked there when I was there originally. Um, so that's going to be really nice. It's like a homecoming. Um, but one of the first things I want to do is meet with all the staff individually. Uh, my style is very collaborative. I lead with empathy and I have a very coaching style about me too. I really want um, for the people that work for me to go on to do bigger and better things mm. in their lives as they uh, proceed through their careers as well. You know, I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking that's one of the things that women are gifted in and do well. I would say that we're always concerned about the community, everyone around us. I wonder if you can just talk for a few minutes about women in leadership and why it's important. So, you know, our show really is about not only profiling women who have, you know, reached certain levels, but 
we want to talk about why it's important. Why will the world be a better place when we have more women on boards, in C-suites, and in those positions of leadership? What is your view on that? I think with women, uh, the very special thing about leadership amongst women is not only do we have our eye on the bottom line and good service and all those things, but we also want to nurture the, the culture of where we work and who is Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Coming up, what is it like for the person who works at that, you know, at that business? What is it that our reputation is within the community and what are we giving back? I just think we add something else to the role that is a bit more nurturing um, than, than other organizations that are, have typically been led by men. And you will see it in soft skills a lot of times, which aren't often something that you find on a resume Correct. or learn in school. Um, yes. But it is those things that I think want uh, for people to want to stay at a job is how they feel doing the work that they've been asked to do. You know, I almost think it's an intuition. Mm -hmm. You know, wouldn't you say it's, it's something that's not measurable always um, in a meeting, but sometimes I think women, with, because we observe, we're yes. very, very observant. Sometimes you just know something. In other words, this is the direction we should go. I can't ex exactly say why, but, right. you know, yeah. yeah. Do you think that's yeah. true? I do think that's true. And I think women too, we are more open to making space for other things that happen in our lives at work um, because we're always the ones juggling so many things um, that there is a little more, bit more space to be yourself. And just as we've seen over these last two years, that kind of blending of personal and, you know, business professional life kind of coming together 
there is um, a, a way for us to be able to like live these lives where we are contributing professionally without um, trying to balance all the time and juggle our personal lives and hoping that it works, that it works right. out. We're right. You, more than one thing. <laughs> correct. Correct. And, you know, I often say, um, I, I try never to ask about work-life balance because I think it's just life. And sometimes we're working and sometimes we're playing and sometimes, you know, we're being creative. Um, And I, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are about in in today's world, which is just things are changing rapidly, very, very quickly. And people are having to adjust all the time, specifically around technology and, of course, social media. You know, as far as your day to day, what do you try to do to not get lost in the noise that's out there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't believe that there's a real work-life balance. As you said, I feel like there's always going to be something that you're paying more attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, I aim for a blend to try to get my day um, to be very manageable where I'm not, you know, spending too much time on one particular area. Um, but I do really cut off. You know, I'm not big on social media. The social media that I do look at, it's really my kids, my friends' kids and <laughs> their pets and, <laughs> a, you know, close-knit group um, of people, people that like to tell jokes, you know, things that are more uplifting. Mm-hmm. I try most of the time to to meet people in person as often as I can instead of always, you know, on Zoom or through a text message um, so that you don't lose that relationship. Um, yes. That relationship is deeper. Um, I also take time for myself. I walk to work every morning. I walk home. I walk That's to nice. appointments. Um, something about walking just is very relaxing to me. And it also gives me a little bit of time to get my head back into the space uh, for whatever my next meeting is or whoever I'm going to meet. Um, but yeah, just tiny, finding those like little bits of times and things that work for you just to make the day a little bit easier um, and trying to incorporate some personal stuff into the work stuff and vice versa. So you don't feel guilty at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have children? I think you said my kids. Oh, no, I I don't have kids. I watch all my <laughs> my friends, your friends, kids. Um, I have a little dog and a loving husband. Um, so I do have more flexibility in my life than most women have. Um, and I am definitely grateful for that. But I'm also conscious that a lot of women are, and men, are holding it down both at home and at work. And that takes a lot of time and energy and space to allow it to happen. Our yeah. lives change, as we've seen over these two and a half years, how quickly many you know, parents also became teachers. Yes. Um, so, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was so grateful that my kids are adults and I didn't have to do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My, my mom, who was a teacher, she was grateful that she did not have to teach over Zoom. <laughs> right. <laughs> what neighborhood do you live in, Angela? I live in Point Breeze. In Point Breeze. South Philly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that seems to be more and more popular today with young people yes. than it was years ago. Yeah, we used to live in, I've lived in several places throughout the city, but right before then we lived in Graduate Hospital. And as we were looking to buy, a lot of my friends started buying in Point Breeze. So we've lived there now about seven years. It's been great. 
Yeah, that's a great area. Um, tell me, can you talk about some of the things that are on your agenda? You know, when you start, what's the first thing you want to check off your list and focus on? Yeah, so I really want uh, in the first couple of months to settle into the job, make sure there's a smooth transition. Um, I will spend the next few months uh, really on a listening tour um, with, again, our staff and board, but also many of our partners within the community, uh, you know, hotels, restaurants, attractions, tour groups, just to see where everyone is at the moment. I think, you know, yes, we all through, went through COVID, but we all experienced it a little bit differently, as we've said. And I want to make sure that whatever plan we come up with, whatever that advertising looks up with, whatever we're looking as our marketing message, that we've gotten input from the community for what that should be. Um, we also have some really great things coming up, hopefully in 2026 with the uh, 250th anniversary of the country. And I'm yeah. very hopeful um, that we will get World Cup games also in 2026. So I also want for us to start looking not just at this moment, but what Philly is going to be five years from now when we invite yeah. the rest of the world to have all eyes on Philly once again. Yeah. Tell me how you, you're going to manage the the nightly news is not good. And it's one of the reasons, you know, I, I need to be in the know and I want to be in the know, you know, for the show. But I'm, I find myself, you know, not watching as much news. It's, it can be really frightening. I don't know that it portrays the masses of people who are just going about their day and working hard and, and being good people. Um, so crime, which is, you know, has been rising in every city because of COVID. What, what is your take on how to uh, manage that while promoting the city and trying to get more people to come in? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I truly believe that uh, a city needs to be clean and safe before anything really can grow. So, and that isn't just tourism, that's new residents, businesses coming here, students coming here for school. Uh, working with Ready, Set, Philly um, over this last year, uh, which was a program that, you know, focused on getting um, workers back to their places of work after COVID. Um, what has come out of that is really working with a collaborative group um, of stakeholders to not only talk about coming out of COVID, but how can we work with the city and the police department to address some of our safety concerns? Um, and that has to be something that we focus on that is parallel to us also inviting people here. We have to do both at the same time. But I'm a strong believer in the fact that this is an issue that needs to be addressed, not just by the government, uh, by the police department, but by the community in a joint effort uh, so that we can bring those numbers down, but also make sure that not just the downtown area is safe, but the neighborhoods that are throughout Philadelphia where many people go, you know, not everybody just goes downtown when they're visiting, that those neighborhoods are safe too. Um, and with Ready, Set, Philly, will definitely, you know, one of the things that has happened is there's a partnership between Center City District, University City District, businesses that have their own private security and the police department just to put more eyes um, on the street and more boots on the ground as we go into our summer tourist time and people start returning to work. Yeah, I love that. Great, great way to end the show, Angela. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to be rooting you on and uh, 
here to help in any way that I can to brag on our city. All right. Thanks so much, Sue. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. We're going to go into a break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Sherry Morrison, our new Lifestyle Watch contributor. And she's going to be with Sally Glassman, the founder of the Kindle Foundation, Kindle Farm Foundation. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, military watch. Having been badly wounded, his left arm broken and lacerated, and having received several spear wounds, he continued to fire his rifle with one hand until the enemy was repulsed, thereby preventing the annihilation of his party. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. That story comes from the award citation for Private Jose Nispiros, the first Asian American and Filipino to receive the Medal of Honor. In 1911, while serving in the U.S. Army's Philippine Scouts, Private Nispiros defended his unit's position despite his severe injuries, saving the lives of his fellow soldiers and the sanctity of their fallen comrades. Jose would go on to serve as a police officer in the Philippines until his death due to illness at the age of 34. Despite historical, racial, and ethnic barriers to advancement, generations of Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders sacrificed and continued to serve as military members and civilian employees. In 2021, they comprised approximately 8% of the U.S. enlisted forces, 6% of the commissioned officers, and 12% of our civilian employees. As we continue to recognize Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I want to humbly say thank you to the over 250,000 AAIP members and their families who have served our nation. For more information about Private Nespiros and other Medal of Honor recipients, go to the National Medal of Honor Museum at mohmuseum.org. Welcome back to the show. You're uh, watching Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm so excited for this uh, next segment with our new Lifestyle Watch contributor, Sherry Morrison, who's joined by Sally Glassman, the president of Kindle Hill Foundation. I think before the break, I said Kindle Farm, Kindle Hill Foundation. So, Sherry, take it away with Sally. Hi, thanks, Sue. Well, welcome to a lifestyle segment of Women to Watch. I'm Sherry Morrison. Uh, May brings a lot of big horse events um, all over the world. The first Kentucky Derby just happened. We've got the Preakness, the Belmont Stakes. We have polo matches getting ready and ramped up. Philadelphia's going to have their first competitive uh, polo match at Fairmount Park ever. Um, we also have uh, the Cowtown Rodeo that happens in New Jersey. But today I wanted to bring you to Kindle, Kindle Hill Farm in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, um, and introduce you to Sally Glassman. Sally is the uh, director and president of the Kindle Hill Foundation. Sally, thanks for joining us today for our first live segment. And thanks for having us. So um, tell me a little bit about the Kindle Hill Foundation and how you got started. Well, I was with Merrill Lynch, had a large practice, an investment management practice for close to 39 years. And when my two younger partners who've been with me for 30 years offered to buy me out, I was liberated to do something different. And right about that time, of course, COVID arrived. 
And I had the perfect opportunity to combine my interests in psychology and horses and helping people. So it was the perfect conflict, you know, perfect time for everything to come together. So equine therapy, like what, what exactly does that entail and what kind of uh, programs do you have here and what kind of clients do you bring in? Well, we have equine assisted therapy. That means the horse is assisting with the therapy and we have equine assisted learning. Again, the horse is assisting and we also have equine assisted training so we can train police officers, corporate groups, really anyone who wants to learn, do something different, be outside, and experience the world of horses. Wow, that's a lot. Um, and so interesting that people can learn so much from these big animals. They are big animals. Um, I had a little experience yesterday. I have to admit I was a little nervous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, why horses? Why not dogs? I mean, dogs are so much less expensive and easier to control. <laughs> Well, you're right that dogs are less expensive and they can be sometimes easier control to control, but it's a totally different mindset because dogs are predators. So, and we're predators too. So any animal that has eyes in the front of its head is a predator. Horses are animals of prey. Their eyes are on the side of their head and their wiring is about survival. So they are in essence, the food and most of their life is spent trying not to get eaten. But that means they're also very sensitive and very thoughtful and reflective and great partners for us learning about ourselves and others. Wow. So that's very cool. So if you bring a corporate group here for some type of team building, what are the benefits for the corporate groups and, and what sizes do you usually like to work with? We can work with any group from, say, as small as four to as great as mid-20s. You want to make sure people have individual attention and they're getting to be hands-on with the horses. So they're actually handling horses, learning about some nuanced techniques like pressure and release and positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement and the importance of praise, you know, not waiting until the employee review to tell someone what an outstanding job they're doing. With horses, we have to do this with any interaction all the time. And you know, horses are transactional. They can't plan. They can't premeditate. Uh, they can't scheme. And they don't harbor ill will. So, oh, there's Cece now. So, <laughs> he's coming over. He agrees with you, Sally. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're loving and gentle. But unlike dogs, they're not effusive. So, you know, they'll express themselves. And this particular horse is making a liar out of me because she's more effusive than most. But in general, they're more cautious about their relationships because above all, they need to feel safe. I'd love to ask a question, um, Sally. I, I, is it true that the horse can sense if you're nervous? I was only on a horse one time. I was extremely nervous. And my horse took off through the field away from the rest of the group. And uh, I thought, well, they must have known. Right. Well, that's unusual. Although I hear these stories, people tell me, oh, at camp, this horse ran away with me. And But normally what happens is in that situation, people get on a horse and they don't have any of the skills they need to really to be a rider. So just yeah. like if you don't ski, you wouldn't start out on the Black Diamond Mountain, right? So <laughs> I mean, you need to learn to ride. And, and a lot of the work that we do is with horses on the ground. Because all of those fundamental steps of the relationship with the horse and horsemanship 
that all happens before any riding takes place. And also, this is a big animal, right? Cece is a 1,500-pound horse. If Cece didn't want to be in a relationship with me, she could choose to not. And what's great about horses on the ground is they have a choice. So if you bring to a horse ill will, repression, anger, hostile feelings, the horse will send that back to you like a backboard because the horse will say, don't give me your baggage. <laughs> I have my own big <laughs> belt. <laughs> I can't so it's a cleansing kind of an experience, and we tell everyone who comes here, leave your baggage outside. It, it mm. won't need it here. So I was visiting a ago, and um, you were doing a program with one of the local police forces. Um, and I know that part of what you were doing uh, was de-escalation or working with police to help de-escalate. You also work with a lot of people with PTSD, the post-traumatic stress um, disorder. So um, can you tell me a little bit about the work you're doing with the police and and how beneficial it's been for the different communities? Yes, certainly. So we're working with many agencies now in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, helping to support training mandates or training that goes on in every respective agency. And we're teaching things that are beneficial strategically, like learning to use time and space, learning options, not telling officers how to do their job, but giving them a repertoire of more options in the interest of being more peaceable and deferring force. And it works because we can practice with horses over and over. We can make mistakes and horses don't hold on to those errors. They, they forget them. And so we have the opportunity to keep working on it. And I think it's great for officers and horses don't judge. So for once, <laughs> for once we have someone who actually understands the hypervigilant roller coaster of being in the first responder community and they don't even have to say anything to one another it's having someone who automatically understands you and of course all of our programs are designed to help people find their best selves whatever that is even if it's adolescents or corporate groups adults everybody yeah, I think I think the one analogy you gave to me was, you know, entering a, a policeman entering a home with a gun or whatever they have a taser or something and and everybody feels threatened. And it's a little bit of role reversal that when the police walk into the area where the horses are, you know, the size and the strength of the horses is a little bit intimidating and it gives them that same feeling that people get when they enter with weapons or, you know, just their presence. So I, I, it was very interesting. My take on, on the two of the biggest words are respect and trust. Um, and it's not just between horses, but people and people you work with and, and just the, everybody. So, um, yeah, that it's very, very interesting what you're doing. And the property here is so beautiful. It's relaxing. It's kind of a nice escape for a lot of people. And I know you've done some other small events, not including food and beverage, but uh, some nice little weddings and allowed people mm -hmm. to use it for um, different corporate events and private events. It's great. Yes. We, we want the space to be available so that lots of our community can enjoy it. And being here just brings people a sense of peace. We know from research that simply standing next to a horse lowers our heart rate our cortisol levels, and our blood pressure. Not even having to touch a horse. So the next time you are near a field of horses, safely pull over and just hang out. 
and you'll see, you'll feel more relaxed. That's only one of the many things that horses can do to help you improve your life. That's awesome. Can you tell us, excuse me, Sherry, where exactly the location is, where, where the foundation is for local people? We're in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. So we're not far, if you're familiar with Bluebell, we're not far from the Bluebell Inn, corner of Skipback Pike and, and um, Penland Pike. Yeah, right off of 73. Well, I think it, it, it's really great work what you're doing, Sally. And Sherry, thanks so much for bringing this segment um, to the show. I, I loved it and we'll uh, point people to the foundation for sure. Thank you. Please come and visit us at We will. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. And be sure to stay um, in the loop at womentowatch.net for all things about the show. Next week, I'll be joined by Sandra Clark, the CEO of StoryCorps. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.